Hi folks, welcome back to Off the Record, Conversations on the Creative Landscape. Today we have a really, really, really inspiring guest. His name is Ben Babbitt. The Spotify and, and others have kind of, um, you know, increased the the already immense kind of, you know, inequality and, and wage gaps. He's uh, a producer, a musician, uh, based out of Los Angeles in the United States. And he has a lot of cool stuff to share. So we're going to talk about the development and the music behind uh, the super successful computer game, Kentucky Route Zero, how this all happened. And um, we're also going to talk a lot about uh, the platform economy, especially Spotify, his critique around Spotify and why those platforms are maybe not so good for the music industry in the end. Follow, subscribe, and have fun with this episode. Okay, today I would just like to talk about Kentucky Route Zero and you know the yeah. how it how it came to life and how this all happened. But maybe uh, for everybody listening, uh, a little bit background information. So um, you uh, were born in Evanston, and uh, both of your parents uh, are musicians. Your um, your dad is a violinist. Your mother plays cello uh, in, in in Chicago, right? Yep. And, and you went to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and um, you've already had a lot of notable um, performances and awards and clients, such as uh, you've performed in the Getty Museum, uh, in the Human Resources Gallery. Um, you, you know, we have clients like Vogue or Chanel, like big names out there. Um, also, your game has won Game of the Year multiple times. It, it was basically promoted and talked about in, in every big outlet out there. I read it in the Spiegel, which is here in Germany, like the biggest and most important um, news magazine, basically. And um, I, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, That's it's, it, cool. it's big. I can send you the article if you want. Um, it started as a Kickstarter. How and, and why did you start this Kickstarter campaign? And, and, and how did this all of this happen? So I wasn't really part of um, part of that that part of the process, which is the you know the very beginning. So I was in in college at the School of the Art Institute in Chicago, and I met um, this. Uh, I met Jake Elliott, who who's the writer and one of the creators of Kentucky Route Zero, and he had already been kind of starting to work on this this new video game project with another friend of his from from school who was, who had finished already, but they had already been making work together. And I think, I think I played some, I used some music that I'd made in a project in the class and, and, uh, Jake, like Jake asked me if I'd be interested in working on this game, making some music for this game. And at the time it wasn't, um, they hadn't yet kind of made it an episodic video game, a kind of bigger scope, mm -hmm. uh, project. And so um, they, I think they, around that time, that's when they, they launched a Kickstarter basically to raise some money to pay for the software developer license, which is expensive, you know, the Unity licenses, mm -hmm. and to pay me a little bit to make some music. And I did that and gave it to them and then um, basically <laughs> didn't hear much from them for about a year. Um, and then in that time, they had kind of expanded the scope uh, to be 
you know, this game in, in five episodes. Mm-hmm. And then they released the first one at the beginning of 2013. And, you know, some people had been following it already from the Kickstarter. And it got some nominations at um, at uh, one of the, the, the bigger games festivals in the U.S. And, uh, and they needed more music. So we kind of started working together more from there. And then it just took a long time to finish it yeah about you know over 10 years now right well it was it was actually i mean my part of it was about seven years of Mm -hmm. of work kind of you know consistently up until now um until yeah we finished it at the end of 2019 and it came out at the beginning of 2020 Mm -hmm. all you know the whole project Mm -hmm. i mean i've i've tried myself in the game i've uh, i've played along a little bit and i also there's also a lot of um, like recommendations and, and editorial um, critiques uh, on YouTube mm-hmm. and across the web. And I, I think um, for everybody who doesn't play a lot of games, it's a it's a it's, it's called point and click, and uh, it's it's different from you know what people think gaming is. You know, when you think of gaming today, you think of usually like there's like two types of games people would think of, which is like the ego shooter type of game and right. the, you know, like build your empire type of game, you know, that, that are like across <laughs> right. the web and, and, and like can, and candy crush right, for sure. Right. And uh, so it's completely different, you know, it's, uh, um, it's, I think what is so, so nice about it, it has this moody, dark, you know, swing around it. Um, mm. But it's like ex- incredibly deep in in the way it's built, and also the music. The music you made was, you know, building it that way. Was it intentional, or was it, you know, just something that you know came along? Or how did you strategize on on building this, or and on creating this? Well, I think you know it's a it's a project that's the the story is the center of of the project and telling the story. So the game is kind of a vehicle for telling the story that really came from originally from, you know, Jake's kind of writing mind and Tomas's and, and mind and, and our kind of collective work developing kind of, you know, um, building that world together. Uh, so everything I think that, you know, the, all the all, all the, the the aspects of the project were kind of taking cues from. The story and what was happening. The story, the setting, the characters, the whole story takes place over the course of one night. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's like this really dilated, strange, like diffuse sense of time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you can you share a little bit about the story for everybody who's listening, so they they understand sure, yeah. the plot so, real quick? Right. So it's. Um, it's set in rural Kentucky in a kind of uh, ambiguous era, um, and you start the game by playing as this character Conway, who's kind of an older, kind of like downtrodden um, guy who's decided to, I think, leave his job, and he's uh, got to just make one last kind of run. So he's a truck driver working for an, a delivery company that delivers antiques to people. So he has to make one more delivery and he has kind of like um, cryptic directions to his destination. So 
he starts asking people like, have they heard of this address or this, um, you know, the, this, this location and kind of, you know, you, you proceed from there. And then over the course of the game, you know, you meet more characters and sort of go down rabbit holes that kind of diverge from the initial, um, you know, journey. Um, and then kind of, a you know, people, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really just, I think, a game about um, people and history and the history of of that place and those people like in the, in the United States over the course of like the, the last hundred years um, and what they've experienced, like living in a, you know, a, a capitalist country. And uh, yeah, <laughs> um, there's not a lot of, you know, action per se or conventional gaming um, uh, mechanics where, you know, you, you don't um, play for, points or you know there's there's no fighting there's no violence in it um you can't win it's just sort of about interacting with this this story mm. so so it gives people i guess uh, an idea of also the area it is set within like the which is basically the rust belt of the united states so like the north North eastern central eastern uh United States right yeah yeah I mean it definitely like kind of the it's a, it's sort of a strange part of the country you know some people think of it as the, as part of the south I think people in farther you know states farther to the south don't see it that way you know there's it's sometimes talked of as part of the midwest you know Kentucky but um, I think culturally it's it's the South, basically. I mean, you have some affiliation with that area. So your grandfather has a or had a, a big farm in southeastern Ohio, which is bordering Kentucky. And it's like a three hour right. drive to 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 Kentucky. So um, right. how, how, how did you experience, you know, the area yourself? Or how, yeah, how, yeah. how familiar are you with the area? I, I honestly hadn't really thought of of my kind of relationship with with that part of Ohio uh, as like a kind of something that would have helped me become familiar with that part of the country. But it, it does make sense. And there, I think there's some over kind of, a, you know, overlaps culturally and, you know, socioeconomically between, you know, that part of Ohio and the kind of part of Kentucky that, that the game is, is set in. Um, I also you know, spent a lot of time um, playing in bands and touring and performing and played in Kentucky and spent time there and worked with some some musicians uh, from Kentucky. And uh, I also think that just growing up in the, in the States, um, you know, you end up maybe being exposed to certain kind of um, like you know, forms of folk music, uh, both historical and contemporary. And, um, you know, the, the music that, that, that part of the music in the game kind of, even though I had never really made or attempted to make that kind of music myself, um, was familiar, you know, to me by the time I, you know, mm. we were, we were working on it. Mm. But the, the music influence you had, I mean, I, I guess your parents have influenced you a lot. And also the, the family where, where music 
you know, plays a, a bigger role. Um, right. How, um, I mean, if people from outside of the United States, so us living here in, in Germany, for example, if we look at the United States, you know, the, the music we, we hear from there is like rap music, rock music, country music. So it's like basically those three types of, of sounds. How, how does folk music and, and the more, you know, traditional type of sound come across in, in mainstream United States? I mean, there are examples of, you know, representations of, uh, like folk music and pop culture and films, you know, the, what is it? The, 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 the dueling banjos thing from mm. deliverance mm. kind of everybody knows that, um, it's kind of become like a caricature, right? Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say, like I said, I, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to that kind of history or that culture, um, myself, um, but did have definitely had, you know, friends who maybe at the time um, made music that kind of was was addressing that history more directly. And, um, you know, of course, like I grew up playing guitar. And like you said, there's there's kind of an, an exposure to, you know, an American like tradition of folk music and stuff um, like in the in my family and in broader extended family lots of kind of you know singers and songwriters mm -hmm. and people who would you know sing songs uh at family gatherings and stuff mm -hmm. yeah i remember yeah. uh right i mean I rem i'm right we're, we're cousins so i, I really yeah. remember yeah. um <laughs> um yeah those were definitely definitely early early inspirations um i mean i think like our our cousin alice i think when mm -hmm. i was When I was really young at a family reunion, I remember her playing, singing a song, playing a song on the guitar and just being so captivated by, by that and mm. wanting to kind of like learn how to do it in some way. Like I think it was probably like seven or eight. Um, so there's, that's a huge, yeah, that, that, uh, Big influence, probably. Yeah. What type of music is the, your biggest influence today? Is it like the people you're, working with like friends and, and, and business partners. Um, I mean, because also, I mean, you don't only make computer music, obviously you make a lot of music for, <laughs> you know, for, um, you know, for actually, you know, listening to the, for the joy of music, for performing, you make music for clients, for commercials, uh, for art. Uh, so for a lot of different, you know, things and, and, and what is your biggest influence there? Uh, I, I don't know that I could, you know, it, it's, I think I've always been, um, a really active, like fan of music and, mm -hmm. you know, listen to a lot of music every day. And, you know, they're definitely, um, like I was saying just now, like kind of formative, you know, musical experiences I had in, in, you know, when I was young and, um, definitely come back to some of that stuff still, but, um, Yeah, it's sort of like a, a, a pretty fluid um, kind of changing, ever-changing uh, presence for me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I think my the stuff that I have kind of been interested personally, interested in personally for a while has been 
kind of more in the world of like you know electronic music uh experimental electronic music mm. dance music club music um okay that's like different from what you work with mostly right right, right. yeah i mean there's definitely overlap um even in the music uh in Kentucky Route Zero i mean there's there's a lot of different kinds of music in that project there's a lot of sort of like ambient electronic music in it um it's it's sort of um interesting to be um you know i think that that culture really encourages people to like western culture really encourages people to focus on sort of honing an aesthetic or a brand making mm. that very uh clearly apparent to anybody in like five seconds and um i've just never that 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 hasn't um you know i i've just been interested in a lot of different kinds of music and making different kinds of music in different contexts like you were saying making music for different kinds of projects and making my own music for my own projects and um so yeah inevitably maybe what i am most interested in personally doesn't always come across super clearly in the work that i do mm. because it's sort of so varied does it if if you're saying um okay you know today people are are interested in you know music being clearly you know identifiable uh within five seconds if you work for a, a bigger client like chanel for example do they tell you like the music you're supposed to do or supposed to create for them is um should represent their brand or are those bigger brands giving you like total freedom over <laughs> you know their the creation it's why well, i don't have a lot of experience working in more kind of commercial contexts um but I have done some of that work and, you know, there are things that I enjoy about it. There are things that are challenging about it. Um, most of it I've kind of found my way into through friends who are like directors um, making, you know, videos or films for, for those mm -hmm. companies and stuff. Um, you know, it, I've, in my experience, nothing has ever been articulated in that way. <laughs> mm. um but there's definitely you know people i think they obviously they they've got their 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 vibe dialed their brand you know mm. dialed they know what feels right to them and it sometimes takes some trial and error to find that in some ways uh what what ends up being that thing could could almost be anything mm. what if that I makes sense Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense from, from your perspective. Um, so, for example, I, I get in touch with a lot of people who work a lot commercially, maybe not in the in music, but in film and photo, photography, for example, or other arts. And and, um, and for them, it's always, you know, since, since it's, you know, I guess the easiest way to make money, a lot of people chase, you know, the big clients, try to work for them because, you know, they they build a portfolio and, and I figure you're a more, you know, type of a person where you say like, okay, this is my sound or, you know, this is not your specific sound, but this is what I like to do. And, and if it, if it fits, it fits. And if it doesn't fit, you know, I'll just do something else. Is, is, is this kind of attitude, um, 
you know, is it is it based in your identity and maybe your inner politics or is it something oh, yeah, where you sure. would say it, it, it just makes things easier for you to, to work and, and to create good stuff? Yeah, I mean, if I understand your question correctly, I think I am drawn to things that are kind of creative and creatively interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we, we all have to make make money to, to pay for our lives. Um, so that can influence certain decisions, uh, you know, around kind of doing work for hire stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I am I, I like fashion. I am, mm. I'm into some of that stuff myself. So it's, you know, it's, it doesn't feel like it's only a sort of like job job or something like, um, like I said, the, there are challenges in making work in that space and it's, you know, not necessarily going to be what I would make otherwise. Um, mm. but that's, that's also an interesting kind of, uh, thing to explore in and of itself anyway it's kind of true of scoring just like about anything actually. Can you explain to everyone else what scoring means? Um, yeah, just making, making music, composing music for, uh, you know, for a film or for a game or for a fashion show or a video or, or et cetera, mm -hmm. um, where you, you know, um, aren't just where, where the people making the project aren't just using preexisting mm -hmm. work they're interested in kind of having some original music created for the project. Mm. Um, you know, in doing that, of course, as a as a producer, composer, writer, you end up making things that you wouldn't otherwise because it's coming from this interaction with whatever the project is. And that's, you know, I've definitely ended up making a lot of stuff that I am almost kind of like shocked or not shocked, but, you know. In a, like in a negative way or? Well, Hopefully not. Hopefully okay. not. Um, but it's also, yeah, inevitably some stuff, um, you know, you encounter some things that, that can feel uncomfortable creatively and that can be good and that can, you know, maybe not be not so good. Um, of course, we have a choice, you know, hopefully whether or not to like proceed there or bow out or not, you know. Um, but hopefully the projects are already they already feel right by the time I arrive at that point, right? Mm. I think what a lot of people would like to know is how how do you get to a point where you are, you know, where where you get those awards and, and, and you know, you're admired by a bunch of other people in the industry. So I'm a big admirer of your work. I mean, I'm not a musician myself. I, I you know, I can play the ukulele a little bit, but... <laughs> it's enough for my daughter but that's it you know and that's um, important yeah that's important yeah but uh, I, i i think it's it's like i think it's really stunning you know if people achieve a, a level a level of career you know where they start receiving awards and recognition for what they're doing and and um how do, how do you get there in the music business so do you have to move to los angeles You know, do you have to be go to college? Do you have to, you know, meet certain people? Do you have to pay your way into, you know, getting this and that certificate? How does that work? I don't know that I'm really the 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 right authority on that. Um, it's really difficult to to experience or perceive, you know, 
the the extra you know how you might see my work or or anybody else um i mean of course it's it's really you know really nice and validating and exciting to 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 kind of be recognized in some of those ways you know the the getting the bafta the other week was was really meaningful to me and and exciting um for for everyone else the bafta is a it's big it's the yeah exactly it's the british academy of film and television arts yeah yeah i i don't know i mean i think like you know in my case i um feel like i'm still trying to um you know uh I'm I'm still I'm still trying. Like I don't feel like I've arrived anywhere per se. But do you um, think people arrive at some point? You know, do you, no, do you think like the great people, <laughs> you know, that that shape like the different professions, like from medicine to 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 arts to business? Do, do you think the great people they arrive at at some stage and 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 they're done, or is like like an ever longing? quest for for more <laughs> I, i don't know i can't really speak for other people but um you know i mean yeah to kind of go back to your original question um i mean i i i think i've always maybe a, a a bit of a traditionalist in in some way or sort of old school in terms of valuing like the quality of the work that i do more than maybe um certain ways of like you know reaching out to the world or trying to like increase my visibility of course i care about those things and they're important but um you know i kind of come from this this perspective of like being a you know a, a really passionate lover of music and and a lot of things and wanting to you know and having been really moved by a lot of really amazing music and and you know other things and wanting to kind of participate in that um and sort of yeah i mean i guess in 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 terms of uh coming into certain opportunities that i've that i've had um you know like like i said with with the KRZ thing i was in school and i met jake and things happened really naturally it wasn't like uh sort of yeah i mean it was like just something that grew out of a like a a really low stakes social relationship with jake and tomas um and kind of most of the things that i've ended up doing have kind of come from that um i mean is, is this like the foundation of, of what you're doing now like meeting those people and and from there because i could understand um i think a lot of people have like this You know, there's one place where this where where something happened, and they met a couple of people, or they did something, and from there it's like there's a lot of you know from there it creates like those those tribes, and you know um, uh, where 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 things uh, start you know building up by by themselves or by by putting in a lot of work, and and I was just curious if if you think this is the the point you know by meeting them that this was retrospectively where the career like really got a little oh yeah right bigger yeah like i mean like i was saying any any kind of pretty much anything that i've ended up doing has come from personal relationships with with people and 
kind of, you know, trying to being around. I mean, I, I moved to LA six years ago and met some people here and, and made some friends that I've ended up working with and worked with some older friends from Chicago, um, you know, that have also kind of continued to make things and yeah, I don't, I don't know. What, what, I don't know what, what did you move? What did you move to LA? By the way, is is it for for your business most important place yeah, to be? I or I mean, I didn't I didn't really mean to move to LA. I mean, I I one of my absolute oldest and best friends in the world, uh, who I lived with in Chicago and made music with in Chicago, moved to LA. I think eight years ago now to to finish school and. Uh, He's a um, a, a producer, sound engineer, and and uh, had a recording studio. And so I came. I ended up, yeah, I ended up kind of coming out to work on a a, a project of mine at the beginning of 2015, and thought that I would just stay for a few months and make this record. And then um, I didn't I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I, yeah, I ended up staying here. Mm. So it wasn't really a kind of clear organized decision motivated by sort of like, Oh, if I, if I'm here, it'll be, you know, I'll be in a better position to kind of access these things that I want access to. Um, that, you know, of course I do want access to some of those things and that has been true. And it also has not necessarily been true. Um, and especially now, I mean, you know, I don't think it's necessary to live in a, in a kind of big, big city or major city or cultural hub uh, of, of, you know, a particular industry to work in that industry. Although it is maybe easier to meet people if you're actually in a place and if you can, like meet I was people. saying, meeting people, um, yeah, friends and, mm. and, and people in my community have been kind of the people I've worked with the most. Um, obviously it's complicated by COVID now, but how, how, has, how has COVID like impacted your, your work? I guess obviously there's not a lot of live performances, but how, how's it impacting like all of the rest of the work? Yeah. I mean, I, I actually was performing a little bit more, uh, performing my own music and I was enjoying that and I was kind of wanting to do more of that. And obviously that sort of got, you know, halted. Um, I was actually going to, was supposed to do a residency at this venue in LA called Zebulon with some friends. And we, it was, it was going to be in th like throughout the whole month of March in 2020. And we got to do our first show. And then by the second one, like we, you know, had entered lockdown. Okay. So that was you know, I th obviously in so many ways, plans for last year were so different than what, what ended up happening. But for me, I was also um, starting to meet some more people in, in, um, yeah, I don't know, in, in some different, in some different parts of, of like the music world in LA and, uh, you know, kind of, being able to meet people in person or do sort of like studio visits or have people come and even kind of do sessions where we might try to make some music and, and explore like a potential, you know, a, a creative relationship. Um, mm. all, obviously that all stopped and that was, that starting to happen more was, was exciting to me. Um, some of it has continued 
you know, online, etc. But um, yeah, it's sort of starting to to return a bit. Um, you know, more and more people are getting vaccinated here, and I mean, I'm do, do you think uh, the 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 music world is gonna, especially you know, with live performances, gonna gonna change a lot after COVID, or is it gonna is it gonna be you know not so much intense and and sweaty and and you know like party type of thing or yeah i mean it's just gonna go back to to normal it's hard to imagine going back into like a sweaty super packed club um where you know nobody's wearing a mask and everybody's breathing on each other but uh i mean i yeah i i have no idea i i think i've heard uh some friends who are kind of more like performance focused starting to book some things for the fall. And I think that those are going to be limited capacity Mm. shows. I imagine that that will happen for a while. I don't, yeah, I don't really know. Okay. All right. I I didn't want to talk about COVID that much because I think it's been (laughs) talk of. Sure. Sure. It's been such a, a big topic. In the, in the past you can before. edit that down. No, no, no. I'll, I'll just leave it in there. I just want to try to find, you know, different other interesting things about, you know, what you do and think. Sure, sure. Are you a creative professional that is still looking for that one great platform on which you can showcase your work? then take a look at Cherry Deck. Not only can you create a portfolio to showcase your work to relevant people within the creative industry, but you can also apply to jobs and opportunities as well as optimizing your marketing and network. Sign up to Cherry Deck today at cherrydeck.com sign up. Let's go to a part of, of yourself that is maybe... Um, it's not about your work, uh, or is it maybe about your your profession. But how, what is your critique, your current critique uh, about your industry? So, are you observing something in your industry where you think you know that has to change? Um, you know, this has to be something <laughs> that has to be built different. What is yeah. your from as an insider? You know, what do you think has to change? Uh, I, I, you know. F- First of all, don't really feel like an insider, but I think I can still. You're being I still have, polite. I guess, just like basically broadly in any kind of um, cultural production-focused industry or context. Um, you know, like the music industry, for example, is very um, you know white male dominated, and mm-hmm. also in terms of the economy is very dominated by these, you know, big streaming companies like Spotify who as we know don't pay artists uh well um to put it lightly and themselves are or at least at the, the you know the the corporations are you know generating billions billions of dollars in profit or or I don't know I don't know you know they they the, there are these claims that are made that that despite um, being such a kind of monolithic 
presence uh, in in music in the music industry. Spotify is still not a profitable profitable mm. company. I don't really understand the economics of that, but I do know that um, you know there are a lot of creators of, of you know musicians who make music and then put their work on the platforms like Spotify and are generating value for those platforms and that are not then kind of adequately rewarded. Um, and so I think there's, there's a, there's a movement right now that's happening to kind of address that issue and really put some pressure on Spotify and other streaming platforms to, to, to change their, their royalty rates and, what, and do their you know what the, what the royalty rates are? I mean, um, I mean, if you get like a, I don't know, like a, a million streams, what, what would you get as an artist? Do you uh, know? I guess the, uh, according to Google, the, the Spotify generally pays between zero zero point zero zero three and point zero zero five cents per stream. But I think mm -hmm. that's, a, that's actually an overestimate, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's, that's sort of not accounting for the, the potential, um, you know, percentage that, uh, you know, a label or any kind of intermediary companies uh, would take from that already mm. small payout. So in terms of like the artist's share, it's it's just so infant, you know, infinitesimally small. Mm. Um, I mean, okay, so yeah. you have to be really successful to make some money there. So when everybody's not successful, it's not going to make money, basically, I guess. Well, right. It's, yeah, it's just like kind of the broader... The, the way the economy is functioning maybe globally, but especially in the United States where, you know, huge amounts of wealth are being generated. Uh, but only, you know, the, the tiniest percentage of the population is, 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 has access to that wealth. It's, you know, so the Spotify and, and others have kind of, um, you know, increased the, the already immense kind of, you know, inequality and, and wage gaps, um, between the sort of the bulk of the population or the bulk of of the people that are creating work that gives those platforms value, and then the select few who are in those positions of power to to benefit. Um, so that's you know that's a critique that I have, and I think that that needs to change. But I don't necessarily, you know, um, think that it would only come from Spotify, you know, paying better royalty rates. Um, in some sense, the entire structure of, of, or, or model for companies like that, I think is, is um, sort of, uh, you know, a sinking ship arguably. Um, and then, and then also, yeah, this issue of, of kind of like consolidating power, um, economic and cultural, and and social power um within these these you know this tiny portion of the population that also is just so predominantly you know white cis male and that is true of a lot of the you know people in music who are in those positions both you know artists and behind the scenes as well mm. and so i think that those things need to change yeah i hope they change let's uh let's go one by one so let's 
uh, about Spotify or the big platforms. I mean, I understand the argument if you would talk about Amazon and for, for Spotify, I might need a little bit more like insight. Um, for, for you as an artist, I mean, hasn't it or hasn't Spotify changed the, the industry in a way that is, that is good for the artists? Because before that, we were just, you know, ripping things off the web. You know, and, 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 and just trying to get our music for free, you know, uh, Napster or, you know, any type of shady uh, dark plays on the web. Um, do you, don't you think Spotify has liberated musicians from that? I mean, I understand that the royalties are not good and, and, and they're not big. How, how do you think about that? Don't, or would you, I, do you I, think I, if Spotify wasn't around that there would be more record sales, for example? Um, I mean, I, I think that that um, regardless of whether or not Spotify existed, we probably wouldn't be. Um, I, th I think that 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 the sort of primacy of physical media has has decreased culturally more broadly than just within music. And so whether or not Spotify existed, I think, you know, mu musicians would not be selling as many records anyway. Mm -hmm. But um I do think that like I yeah I don't I don't really see um Spotify as as a force that liberated artists from the kind of you know cultural piracy and you know ripping music and stuff because for so many reasons um like you said I mean the 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 it's sort of like saying <laughs> I don't know uh, to come up with an analogy but basically like it it's If, if you're in a really sit shitty situation, if something comes along that just makes it slightly less shitty, you're still ultimately in a shitty situation, situation yeah, that you don't okay, want to be yeah. in, right? So it's, it's um, <laughs> and the difference arguably, or, or one difference arguably between those two kind of moments or, or eras in culture is that, you know, um, in the kind of piracy um, era, They, there there wasn't this the a comparable kind of consolidation of power and influence mm. uh you know there are these pirate you know uh file sharing platforms i i don't know how they made money they made money somehow um and then you know but it was basically based on this premise of like peer you know a a user base that were sort of sharing these files and 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 you know um Uh, sharing the responsibility of of kind of making these files accessible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm having trouble articulating some of this, some of my critiques because it's such a big, uh, multifaceted sort of mm -hmm. you know yeah issue. But basically, um, you know one one thing that some people have been talking about that I think is a really interesting distinction is is this idea that basically Spotify um, rewards and and upholds this this way of valuing music that's based entirely on its sort of like repeat repeat listening value you know like music that is listened to the most times is the most valuable and you know that sort of um ends up inevitably valuing i mean of course the the artists and the labels that are able to kind of you know take advantage take advantages of the kind of algorithmic gamification of that system and that platform mm 
to, you know, inject their content into those streams, but also, um, you know, it, it, yeah, it sort of, it sort of makes this case for value being entirely dependent on how many times somebody wants to listen to your, yeah, yeah, wants to listen to your, your track or whatever. And I think that, um, that's just an, it's such an incredibly limited sense of, of what value is in, in, you know, in music and, uh, or what makes music valuable or worthwhile. There's a lot of music that I really love that I wouldn't necessarily, um, listen to over and over. I wouldn't necessarily put on in the background while I'm making dinner, mm. but is nevertheless, you know, some of the most important music to me, uh, in my mm. life. And, you know, there's a lot of music that's still being made that sort of falls within maybe some of those aesthetic or um, cultural kind of, um, you know, th- that has some of those qualities that is, you know, just being completely, um, I or essentially not not served in any kind of tangible way by by a platform like Spotify. Mm. Um, you know, it's I see it as a consult, you know, as as a as an incredibly effective tool for consolidating wealth and power and influence in a culture that already has, you know, immense problems with that issue. Well, it's strong, strong uh, opinion, um, but I think it's a, it's a, it's, um, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, you know, coming. I mean, do, don't get me wrong. I, I, I also, you know, I, I, there are many things that I, that I think are great about making, you know, it's incredible that, that so much music is instantly accessible and it's, you know, I think that there's, there's something that is interesting to me about the, the ways in which, uh, an algorithm will, um, you know, of course there are insidious, there are a lot of insidious aspects of, of, you know, algorithm, algorithm driven, um, platforms like, like that, but also, you know, it's, it's theoretically like the kind of pro, um, like tech kind of utopianist argument is that it, you know, or that maybe the argument that the, that, you know, the people at Spotify make is that it, you know, will expose its users to music that they would never have found otherwise. And I'm sure that's true. Mm. And I mean, I have also experienced that personally, um, and have found music that I, that I really like, uh, that way. And it happens on YouTube as well. Of course, you know, algorithms, uh, alive and well there as, as well. But, um, yeah, anyway, so just to say, I'm not, um, you're not hundred percently contrarian. It's just, or, yeah, I'm not uh, d- definitely not motivated purely by, by being, you know, by a contrarian, um, reactionist, uh, or reactionary, uh, perspective on the issue. I just think there are actually really big, big problems issues, yeah. uh, at play and people are, uh, kind of, uh, receiving the, the, the brunt of the, you know, the shit end of the stick, so mm. to speak. Mm. How, how, um, how would you change it? So if you, I mean, there, there have been a bunch of different approaches to this problem. I mean, there's people are saying like, okay, you have to see it as a marketing platform. And if you see it as a marketing platform, you generate your, you know, your revenues other ways, like through shows and right. merch but, and but stuff like that. But I think like that. that that's been debunked though. I think that that idea has been de- debunked like the, you know, be, because, 
you can you can um, be an artist who has a new track that comes out on Spotify, who has somehow managed to get that track onto some big playlists. Mm. And so technically that track then accumulates a large number of streams. Mm. But um, if most, you know, if the the majority of those streams are um, from users who are maybe more passively listening, who aren't as actively engaged uh, in sort of, um, or it's just not necessarily important to them to know or they're who you're listening from to different, you know, places. They're from, they have a show in Germany and you're listening to them in the States or, I mean, yeah, kinda... or that, um, and, and, uh, that maybe, uh, what appears to be a form of success and a marker of visibility doesn't necessarily translate, outside of the the bounds of the platform and i i think living and, and making music in la you see uh that uh kind of born out uh, in in physical space when you go sometimes to a show uh and see a uh you know an artist perform or um you know maybe not even uh necessarily going to some of these shows but just seeing you know the a certain artist is performing at a venue in LA that might be you know a, a two to three hundred cap room, um, which is you know not necessarily uh, well. More importantly, so, so an artist who might be playing a two to three hundred cap room when they actually physically are in you know performing mm-hmm. right and maybe have. 2 million monthly listeners on Spotify, Mm. you know what I mean? So the discrepancy is, is massive. Mm. Um, uh, Success on the platform does not necessarily translate to success elsewhere. And as we already have established success on the platform does not necessarily translate to uh, any kind of financial, Mm. you know, uh, reward. Maybe maybe it's, maybe it's also because, I think people, you know, if you look at streams, people tend to take this as a measure of success because it's quantifiable, you know, and for everyone, it's easy right. to say like, okay, a million is more than than a hundred. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. you would say like, okay, this person is more, is more successful, but maybe actually having a measure of, you know, what music means to you would be much more relevant. For example, how often to the over the course of 10 years are you listening to this one song uh you know right. again and like and you know if you right i'm, I'm for, i don't know if you have a certain classical piece for example and you would say like okay you've listened to this over the course of 10 years consistently you know every once a month or every second month um right. others went up and down and got became forgotten so this means this song is much more important to you which is why you right. probably would also, you know, want to see this band or, you know, buy their shirt or support. I their... mean, it may, it may or may not be true that that, um, is a, is this, you know, uh, an accurate, um, indication of, of, of the, you know, the meaning or that personal meaning, but, um, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Spotify already and some of those platforms already show you those sort of longer arc, uh, statistics, mm. um, you know, they love to do the year end 
kind of wrap up thing where it mm. shows you who your most listened to artist was and all that. Do you know? Did I, you I'm, did you know which was your most listened to artist on Spotify? <laughs> I think I think last year it was uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto. Okay, okay. I'm, st- I'm trying to remember mine. <laughs> I, I don't know. I forgot. Probably was something like. Bon Jovi. No, I mean, also, <laughs> or you know, know, when when some uh, to to say a, another maybe less pointedly critical thing about it, um, when I've been when when people have sort of posted about um, or or told me directly or gotten in touch directly and told me that you know I was in their top most listened to artists or whatever they sometimes that you know spotify will in these year-end things will even like show you the number of minutes that you spent listen listening to a particular artist Mm -hmm. and anytime that's happened um it's it's cool it's really it's it's such a nice flattering thing Mm -hmm. to 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 hear that and it's interesting to you know that we have the ability to know this about ourselves Mm -hmm. now i just you know the, the the cost is, yeah, I mean, it, it, anyway, I said my piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to, has to have this balance, right? And the, ba- I mean, the balance is also, uh, you know, the second point you mentioned that your industry is dominated by uh, white cis males, uh, mostly, I guess, in the, I, I, I probably, I would, I would at least think that, especially in production and, all the labels, it's even more than, you know, on the side of the artists, you know, because you probably all, or is that true? Or like in the background, is it even more dominated in this way? Or, or is it like equally compared to the artists? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, um, you know, I mean, arguably there are more, there are more, you know, the, the group of people that make up like the behind the scenes people mm-hmm. is a bigger group than the artist group. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, and yes, I think in my experience, the the behind the behind the scenes people, um, despite the fact that it's a bigger group, there's there's it's still majority, you know, white cis male, and I still think that most, you know, uh, a lot of the the artists in you know, in front of the scenes, um, making work that is given, you know whatever support and, and, and opportunities is made by, or in some way, um, yeah, involves white cis males. I mean, yeah. Mm. Um, I know I am also a white cis male. <laughs> I think recognizing it is already like a step in the right direction because I can, I mean, I know you personally, but I can also feel like from what you're sharing right now that it's important to you and that you that you want to represent or you want others to be represented in a in a in a fair you know with their fair share basically um do do you think the the people successful in your business are responsible you know for making those changes so for example you know i mean at least on the artist side you know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of black artists especially in in um in the united states do they are they responsible of of you know changing this or are the the white cis males like you are is this group of people 
responsible for bringing the change. Oh, I, I, yeah, I think that the that the white the white cis male group um, should be uh, yeah the most responsible for for making some of these changes. That that's the group that's been in the you know in uh, a position of power culturally and in every other way imaginable for centuries and centuries. Um, you know yes uh kind of current like contemporary pop pop music is uh there there are a lot of there are a lot of black artists um who are who are very visible but um you know that that doesn't necessarily mean that that those people are are always reaping the benefits that that one would assume uh come with being in that position there are a lot of really predatory business practices in the music industry what what, what is, uh, what is that, that have, for example what can you tell me what are the like the predatory practices because i don't like, know for, right no like for example like tlc the the you know the 90s the the early 2000s r&b group mm-hmm. um they they i think at the grammys in in i think the late 90s maybe it was 2000 um they had just won i think a bunch of grammys they were really at the top of their career they had just made a record that sold 10 million copies and they came out and, and stated that they were essentially broke uh, despite being, you know, outwardly, you know, appearing to be, you know, on top of the world. Um, And that was, and they, and they said it, that they, that it was because of these, you know, very predatory contracts that they signed, you know, I think really young when they, when Mm. they, sign their their record deals and stuff and i think it was also um maybe just less there was less um uh uh, information available about Mm. like contracts and business the business Mm. practices of the music industry at that time and especially uh available to to you know uh people of color etc and and so you know yeah i mean the the history of pop pop music in the United States is a history of, you know, white people in positions of power mm-hmm. exploiting that power to profit off of, everybody pe- else. you know, people of color and everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, um, I mean, everybody has followed the, you know, especially the last year and the year before have been, um, how can I say like really loud about this problem Right. And, um, and I'm not just in America. I mean, I, also, yeah, like, I think we can't be loud enough. Yeah. 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 I absolutely agree. I mean, and, and, and uh, also in, in, in Germany and in other parts of the world, obviously, you know, people have demanded, um, you know, change in this direction. So, and what I wonder is now coming back to Spotify, like a lot of those platforms, they start out early, like Facebook started out that way or Airbnb started out that way. You know, they start out as a as let me, let me you know let's say like on the good side of the problem. You know, they want to change. They, I don't think that's true. I I, I I'm, I'm not really sure. You know, Facebook started. Facebook was started by you know uh, uh, <laughs> somebody who arguably shares a lot of qualities with the incel community. Um, you know to to rate uh the you know physical 
attractiveness uh, of 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 women in you know his uh, like where, where, where was it at at Harvard, Harvard. or whatever? Yeah, you know. I mean, I don't want to make I a way mean... to catalog the hotness of my you know the 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 women that I'm going to school. With. I I understand that that this you know the the initial start of the actual product was different but what i mean is the 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 first big vision for facebook was like building a network to connect like people across the web right like right. myspace but you know different <laughs> uh same with like linkedin and and same with like airbnb was like okay let's don't get into hotels let's let's sleep let's let's crash on a couch you know instagram was just you know share nice photos uh, you know, and there's, there's like all of these other platforms that where people say like, yeah, you know, this is like, cool. We need this, you know, we need Airbnb because it's cooler and it's cheaper. And we need, you know, Facebook because I could, you know, I can reach out to somebody like you across the pond, you know, without an email. So the initial ideas, the initial visions, you know, that I think they were, you know, the, the initial big visions, they were, they were good. And how, how, or when do you think they started becoming like part of or where, where was the tipping point when the, the, you know, the, the, the benefits we as consumers get when they are outweighed by the problems? When, when do you think this happened or when, when do you think this, this is happening? <laughs> like just broadly about all kind of like platform capitalism, um, yeah, like, is it a certain I mean, size, you know, they, they, if, if they grow to a certain size or is it when they, you know, have a, a specific model or? Well, as far as I know, a lot of these companies, uh, you know, maybe not Facebook initially, but I think quite quickly, um, even in the kind of era of, of Facebook's development that's depicted in the, in the movie, The Social Network, mm -hmm. which seems, seems like I, I don't remember exactly but it was like the very you know beginning of the inception, and then they quickly were you know um, going out to 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 raise money mm. to kind of build the comp to grow the company, right? Mm. So I think as soon as um, that happened, and and a lot you know I think a lot of companies, right? I mean you know a lot more about this than I do, but you know somebody has an idea, and then they go and try to raise money for that, you mm. know, based on that idea, and then. Maybe, um, you know, somehow, I, yeah, anyway, um, I think, <laughs> I think, I think that the, the, the destructive, uh, consequences or the negative consequences of these platforms were, were, were there from the get go. Um, it was just that they were a little bit more hidden, mm. um, in, in those early, uh, years, um, of course, you know, now we know a lot more about like how those things develop and what the consequences can be. Um, I think now we know that, that, you know, the, the, the consequences can be really like world changing mm. and, and destructive on a very, very big scale, um, which we, you know, maybe didn't quite have the same sort of like, uh, pre-existing models to kind of look at and 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 make kind of uh you know extrapolations based on at the time because you know the, the 
15 years ago or whatever when facebook started these plat you know platform capitalism was sort of a new thing and and um yeah anyway um i i don't know and i don't know that it's necessarily even very productive to identify that like tipping point mm -hmm. <laughs> i think it's more productive maybe to to just sort of recognize that you know like to yeah to just spend a little bit more time actually reckoning with the ways in which these cultural you know forces and forces of tech and and you know these platforms have um you know again consolidated power mm -hmm. in very destructive ways and continue to do so and how all of these things are feeding some very very big you know, systemic problems that are real threats to every last person on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I um, I agree with you that the that there's a you know that we have also as consumers we have to try to to detach us or attach our life our lives from from these platforms because. Um, You know, you, you really get like sucked into, you know, the the world of those or in, in, into their, you know, how can I say it? You know, you build your world around like the representation. Their ubiquity. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I mean, we work a lot with other creatives such as photographers and, and filmmakers. And, and I can see like, you know, the way they're like Instagram, for example, is, is, is like At, a, at the center of their attention a lot of times is like it's it's crazy and and it's right and and i mean you what you say what you said like half an hour ago you said like you're you're more you know like a more old school type of personality you would say like okay you 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 focus on your work you know the quality of your well, work and i mean that that's not yeah i mean it's not no i mean i mean in this I, i mean in this sense you know that you like focus you know on yourself and And what, and what you do. And, and, and I think this is a great way, you know, to deflect. Well, it, it's just that, that maybe doing that will, <laughs> you know, like somebody, somebody yesterday in a conversation with a friend mm -hmm. was, um, <laughs> said something that this quote, I'm trying to find it. Um, that basically, um, <laughs> uh, I think I'm, I can't find it exactly, Doesn't but matter. the gist of the, oh yeah, quali quality has never been the determining factor in terms of recognition and rewards, not in any field. When great work is successful, I believe it's a coincidence. So yeah. this, this writer, Sarah Schulman mm -hmm. said that. And so, you know, like, I think that seems, to, that seems to line up with at least my, um, observations of how culture works and so you know i think it comes it, it it comes down to what's most important i guess to to uh the you know the the person making whatever they're making um mm. i don't it's also maybe a cynical it's maybe a bit of a cynical take but mm. but yeah again i think that there's a there's a lot of truth in it there there's and, some truth in it and and i fully agree especially in music i i mean i'm the type of person you know i only listen to to music that is like 10 years old or or i mean i have some you know tracks i like from 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 this current time but I'm, i i listen to a lot a lot of like this old stuff you know because i think it's 
much better than a lot of stuff, you know, that is popular today. And I, if I have a, sm a younger brother, he's like 10 years younger and he's basically what I am, like I am, but just younger. And if I, I always get into fights with him and say like, man, you cannot listen to this, you know, bullshit music. You have to listen to the real stuff. And I mean, also, maybe it's also generations, but it's, like, yeah, 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 right. I mean, you know, I think that there's, I think actually there's, there's a lot, of, there's so much amazing music being made by people right now. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, I definitely don't feel, yeah, I definitely don't feel like, oh, we've sort of lost the, the magic and, you know. No, I, I mean, like in the popular, the popular section of the music. I don't mean, yeah, I, even in pop music, I honestly I think some of the best pop music of the last thirty years has been made in the last five years. For, uh, you, what's an example? That's just me. What, 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 would, be, what would be an example of, 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 of this music? You know, the last five years. I mean, obviously I mean, there is some. You know, it's not that there's none, obviously. But from I just think the um, right, 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 the, right. I mean, I like. Tra the sicko mode by travis scott mm. uh or the, the astro world that record by travis mm. scott uh i think is a really amazing and really experimental mm. in a lot of ways aesthetically formally uh otherwise i think there's a lot of really amazing kind of like formal and aesthetic example. innovation happening in in like hip-hop and trap um i mean i like love charlie xcx mm. <laughs> and her records uh i think you know she's worked with some she's worked with um a lot of a lot of kind of producers coming from more like underground spaces and that's you know uh a, definitely a trend that's been happening for a long time and i guess there's there's historical precedent for that that goes back uh decades but um yeah also like even you know um Jesus by Kanye West mm. you know he, he was working with a lot of young kind of more experimental producers and writers and I think that the result is really strong um I think you know Frank Ocean uh has made some incredible mm. pop music I think you know there's um you know Cardi B um you know there, there's there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of a stuff lot. out there's there. There's just so so much amazing. Yeah, I th maybe it's yeah. maybe maybe it's just me, you know, just staying sticking with my playlist and not even discovering new stuff. Uh, yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> no. We've been talking for you know roughly yeah. uh, seventy-five now. minutes now. Um, let me ask you about your the plans for this year. What is, what can we, you know, hope for or expect or wish for, you know, when we listen to your music or what are you working on? You know, what, what is, what is the next release? What can we, what can we see soon? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've kind of focused on collaborative projects in the last however many years and, um, I'm still, yeah, I'm still working on projects like that, but um, have been trying to kind of focus a little bit more on finishing some of my own kind of solo music and mm -hmm. hoping to release some of that 
soon. Um, working on it, some more stuff with with Jake and Tomas, uh, who who I worked on KRZ with. Um, you know, kind of in the past few years have 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 started kind of entering the film space a bit and and really enjoying that and hoping to do more film scoring. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think as things start to open up more, maybe there'll be more opportunities to do things in person, maybe to perform again. Mm, um, let's hope so. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting moment, a kind of strange, like, you know, we're in a holding pattern and there's a lot of promise, but then obviously a lot of problems <laughs> that are still... Uh, yeah, a lot of uncertainty, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Also, I think in the last year, like as KRZ came out and, uh, you know, the soundtrack for KRZ came out and some other stuff that kind of was part of that project finally came out that had been in the works for a long time or even finished for a long time. It feels like a time of kind of almost like purging stuff that's been you know, that I've been living with for a long time and like clearing the way for, for totally new things. Mm. And I'm, I'm kind of almost in that space where, you know, I'm like finishing some solo stuff that's, that I've been working on for a while. And then I will kind of have like a, a somewhat clean slate in a way that I haven't in a long time. So I'm really looking forward to that. Right. Ben, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, I especially liked that you, or that we had the chance to, you know, talk about your, um, you know, your ideals and, and what you think is wrong, what you think is right. Um, I think this is super, super interesting. I'm wishing you a, a great day and, and hope the day is going to be good for you. I hope you have, I don't know if you, know, if you have nice weather. We have shit weather over here in, in Hamburg. And, oh, good, um, yeah. Yeah, it's nice here. To everyone else, we have another episode with Ben. Uh, it's a short episode uh, where he's going to answer three small questions. Uh, tune into that. It's interesting as well. And yeah, that's it. Ben, thank you very much. Thanks. And take care. Thanks. Thanks, Philip. Bye. Thank Bye.